Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 44, we talk about some recent plays, answer a question from Richie's mailbag, continue with BGG's list of top games, and finally, review Predator. Hey, everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. And I'm Richie. It's going to be a good episode, fellas. Oh, all right. <laughs> I'm so sorry. If everybody could hear all those takes. I've, I, I might, I might throw some at the end. Okay, well, good. Uh, yeah, well, good. maybe not. No, let's, let's <laughs> pretend that I do that perfect every single time. Oh, boy. Now, before we start that the hurt. episode, yes. I got to do this. It's basically like a temporary uh, segment that we have. Oh, oh. Chad. How many plays of Agricola do you have? <laughs> oh, it's coming. I'm serious. I have, I still have like uh, two weeks and, and Steph knows about the bet and she has promised to play. Okay. I mean, if it doesn't happen next week, it's not happening. That's uh, my guess. I said six months ago it wasn't going to happen. So. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to be close, but it's going to happen. Uh, I, I will. Yeah, it's not happening. All right. So, well, okay. Right. So that's no. the news. That was that's the new segment. New temporary segment will be over in two weeks. <laughs> all right. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we won't have it next episode. Now, basically. granted, I think at this point, if Chad has flat out said, listen, Stephanie, if you don't play this game with me, I will not be able to show my face. Maybe he'll be able to get it in. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> she really, Yeah, Maybe. she doesn't necessarily care like, about that, but I think it's probably a point of pride that she knows now that there's a bet on her play. Well, that's what game. I'm saying. Like, if she didn't know there was a bet on it, I'd have no problem because she'd still say no. But uh, you true, don't so. think I could be like, listen, we are playing Agricola. Like for no good reason. Uh, yeah, if you want to come and sleep on my couch <laughs> <Yeah>. that night. <laughs> oh yeah, boy, I, I couldn't do that. All right. Speaking of, this is kind of a uh, kind of a exciting time of year. Lots of uh, lots of festive stuff with the holidays and all that. They actually made sure at my work that I could come to the Christmas party because they said we can't. We cannot have the Christmas party without Chad. He's the. They actually called me the games master. Wow! <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, isn't that cool? Weird? I was like, I've never, uh, I've never had a title like that before. The Almost cooler master. than physical therapist. That's that a high awesome. honor. Yeah, that's right. Right. Uh, no. So yeah. So there were a bunch of dates they threw out, and there were a couple that I couldn't make. One of them because of ATBCon, and so they were like, Oh no, we gotta. We gotta have it when the games master can be there. But oh, so this is like a January type of yeah, thing yeah. We always do it after because you know so many commitments around the holidays. Sure, so. sure, okay. Uh, and I, by the way, I'm feeling really good tonight because my tummy is full because we got the early Hanukkah present of Lou Malnati's deep dish Chicago style pizza uh, air mailed to us, packed in dry ice this evening. Pop oh, wow. one of those babies in the oven already. You know, Davlos is right up the street from here. They're really, they're very good. <laughs> they are very good. I love Pizzeria Davlos for some Chicago style pizza. But let me tell you, Lou Malnati's is good stuff. And getting that once a year, every year, is is where super is it? Good. 
It it is in my kitchen. The first so many the first belly. One, the first one is in my belly. Yeah, that's right. I would have thought you would have brought us some. Oh well, no. Yeah, in the holiday spirit exactly. of giving. <laughs> I guess we know where we stand, Richie. Exactly. <laughs> the nice thing too about the holiday though is is all these kickstarters have been delivering too. I mean, you got you guys have all got a couple, I think, too, right? Yeah, yeah we all I got a, a Gizia. Yeah. yeah, got in, and we even got a player that uh, this past Monday. Yeah, oh, we did. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward nice. to hearing you guys talk about it. Um, I was excited to have uh, what, what is it? Wave wavelength. Yep. That oh yes, yeah. we got a little we bit of play little, out of it. Yeah. We had to mess around with it a little mess bit. Mess around, not, not really, really play a, whole game, a real but it, game, but yeah, it was yeah. good enough that we both bought a copy right there and then. So yeah, because uh, Jake brought it over his Kickstarter copy, and literally Richie and I ordered it that night. We, yeah, it was it was that enjoyable. It was it, fun. It is good stuff. Yeah. Well, tell talk a little bit about Agizia anyway. Well, I've uh, obviously I've played the original Agizia, and we all have I've heard the story of how uh, you know I got that as a birthday present from my good friend Ryan Freshman last year. And was really excited because it's been an out-of-print game for a long time. And I I had only played it a couple of times from a, a friend at Gen Con who had it. And I've always enjoyed the game. So it was obviously it's been great to have it. But when the Kickstarter came, it started talking about how there's going to be some new stuff in it and some different a different board and everything. And, of course, my FOMO just kicked in. And so I'm like, of course, I have to buy it. And the price was so amazing. I mean, it was literally 40 bucks. And this was yeah. Stronghold, Stronghold Games, yeah. which is not known for that often. No, you know, we yeah. give them a hard time for some of their pricing. But well, yeah, rollers. it was yeah, steamrollers. Steam that's <laughs> the same price in half the it, game. It was un- unbelievable. You couldn't pass it up. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So, but then, of course, I got it and I'm like, ah, do I really want this? But uh, we had a little game night uh, where uh, Joe uh, Farrell and then uh, Jake and Richie all came over, and they were like, "Hey, let's let's play Geezy." And I'm like, "All right." So I popped open my copy, and I'll tell you right away, I was really happy with it. Uh, so was I, and I, I don't know because they put the with the Kickstarter, you got the original on the back, and I'll mm-hmm. be honest with you, I don't know if I would play the original over the new one. Like I, I like the things that they changed. I I agree. I totally agree. First of all, I mean, for anybody that this matters to beautiful board i mean they have that yeah. what what do you call that that glossiness that they do on that board you know what i mean it's, it's like, like the uv spot yeah yeah coating so I, whatever I think that's it what is it like just that. looks really cool um you know i mean uh, nice you can really tell what every you know the iconography is really good they did a really great job with that but they changed up some of the different uh building spots and for the people who don't know how to play this game it's basically the nile river where you're there's some action spots on both sides of the Nile, and one side is like a uh, a circle action, and then the other side is like a, a card action. And if you go to the card, you take the card, and it physically becomes your card. But if you take the circle action, it's just a you're basically using that as a worker placement type of spot to gain an action. And it used to be then there were these three building spots, one that was for uh, Sphinx cards, and then one was like build the obelisk, one was build like the pyramid, you know, some, some different areas. And they kind of changed that up where they moved the Sphinx cards to the very end, which are kind of in-game scoring points. And then they also changed up where instead of like they used to have these grave tiles that you used to get, they gave you some way you build up on this. I forget what that thing I was called. Some type of pillar, some right? Pillars or something, called, yeah. And if you got to a certain point, you had like a bonus ability then you've got. Uh, so like, for instance, our bonus abilities in our game was instead of getting three stone when you kind of went to the top of this stone chart, you got six. And then the other one was allowed you to use another space uh, again that, that maybe another boat already occupied. So I thought those were really cool and fun story here. So I had that ability where I could use both of the circles 
And at the end of the second round, everybody thought they were safe because uh, the other part about this game is it has this uh, irrigation track, I'd almost call it. I'm not exactly sure what it is, season, you know, like what type yeah. of weather or whatever. But if you have these fields that are only produced when like it's like the worst conditions, like they're really fertile fields, and then you have some middle ones who produce, you know, when it's okay, but not, you know, great. And then there's ones that only produce like when the weather's perfect. And everybody thought, or I should say Joe and... Jake, Jake both thought they yeah. were safe, and I ended up using this action spot twice and bringing the weather to where it had to be perfect weather to produce, and I totally screwed them. You know, they had to lose a bunch of victory points for that, So, which was kind of fun, and they like they were like, <laughs> I thought Richie was the mean punch boarder. I was like, well, I'm learning, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm learning from and Richie. And continued all night, because we, we got in to play a Predator Porter, and he was screwing people over left oh, and right in that game. Yeah, wow. that, was, that was a lot of fun. So, But anyways, um, overall... I would say this. I, I think they did a tremendous job with the upgrades. I think it looks great. Uh, I think they just they did a really, really wonderful job. And I, I'll have to give Stronghold kudos because not only great game, they did a great job with the production, which obviously sometimes is, is not, a, not the case sometimes for them. That's awesome. Well, we'll give credit where credit is due there. And, and now this, Igizi, is one of, I think it's one of the first games where they had that mechanism of traveling down somewhere and then you can't get, you know you can't can only go, go so up. far you can't mm-hmm. go back yeah. up and you're mm-hmm. making those tough decisions of what's going to get passed up also i didn't realize until you got the original game that this is by two of our favorite italian designers oh yeah brazzini and gili mm-hmm. absolutely yep they've been doing great work for a long time cool well yeah. i'm i'm ready to play my copy uh, richie i just got uh i just got the wingspan expansion and Ooh. i know that you've played it, but I haven't gotten to 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 break it open. So I want to hear what you think about it. I I kind of got it because I know my family really likes this game, and so what what, what were you your thoughts about playing it? Yeah, so I got in a couple plays with Jessica uh, over this past weekend, actually, and uh, with the expansion, it is not it's not like a game changer. I know Clef was a little disappointed when we when we first started talking about it when I got it because he thought you know maybe that the colors of the eggs would matter or anything like that. They don't, although you do get purple eggs now, which is kind of nice. Just, you know, another color out there. Just they threw in purple eggs for... Just because. Okay. <laughs> but this just kind of adds more. You get, uh, I think it's 50 bird cards, 50 new bird cards. Uh, you get some more in-game uh, scoring tiles that you can mix in. And overall, I mean, if you like Wingspan, I mean, this is just adding more. So nothing's going to change there. If you don't like Wingspan, I, I mean, I don't know if it's really going to change your mind on it. But what I liked about it, because I do like Wingspan, I would say in the base game, you have to have some eggs at the end uh, to really win the game. But in this, there, there's a lot of powers that will let you tuck cards and tuck a lot of cards. Because I would say by the end of our first game playing, I had tucked about 30 cards underneath my bottom row of birds, which I've never tucked that many. So some of the powers just are kind of ramped up a little bit. So like the tucking powers. And then there are some more powers that will kind of trigger off based off of what other people around the table are doing. So there's one bird where you get to cash wheat tokens on it based on how many cubes another player put in that row. So how many actions they took in that row. It's not direct player interaction, but you know, if someone knows that you're going to be getting that, they may not take that action or try to avoid that action as much as possible. Uh, Overall, I would say, like I said, if you like Wingspan, this is just more birds and some cooler powers. I would say they're a little ramped up, just a little bit more. Nothing crazy. But if you like Wingspan, definitely check it out. Pick it up. Well, that's good to hear because that was my main concern is that there were a a little bit more in the strategy for, for the game as far as the end game was concerned. And I know that this is not going to be a game 
I mean, one of the drawbacks and why I'm not going to play it a lot in any other aspect than, than with my family is because there really isn't a lot of interaction. So I guess it's good to hear that there there's still a little bit in there, even if it's kind of positive and, and indirect. I, I picked up the expansion because I was hoping maybe that it did a little bit more. And you're right. I mean, you know, obviously looking over, there's when I opened it and I first saw the purple eggs, I was very excited that maybe the eggs did something. And as I, I was saying to you earlier, I was saying it'd be so cool if like one of the birds, when, you know, it would say, if you place a white egg on here, it will do this. And if you place a blue egg on here, it would do this. And so you'd have like some decisions to make or something I thought would be really cool with those eggs. But, you know, whatever. I understand it's the game is what it is for me. You know, it just doesn't have any interaction. You're just kind of playing your own solitaire type of thing, which sometimes in games is fine. So it's a good, you know, I think it's fine. And like you just said, I think anybody who loves Wingspan hey, this is just going to be more icing on the cake. So I think if you love it, get it. If you don't like it, I wouldn't bother. I don't think it's going to change the game enough to make any difference. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not going to change your mind on Wingspan. If you are on the edge, if it's on your you know, your cell shelf and you're just waiting for this expansion to come out, it is, it's not going to be anything game-changing. But, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's done so well that they're going to keep probably releasing expansions, I would imagine. Sure. So maybe down the road, maybe they'll, Who knows? Yeah. Maybe they'll do know. something with the color of the eggs. But, but, hey, my wife loves it, and so I get kudos for playing it with her. So, you know, hey, I'll continue to, to play it. I mean, hey, you like games and you like spending time with your wife. That's a win-win. Yeah, at least one of the two of those things. So, right. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> well, let me tell you about a game that Clef really, really likes. Okay, <laughs> yeah. we just we just played today. We played uh, Clef, Josh, and I played Stevenson's Rocket, which I'd played an, a game of this already. I think almost not quite last year, but I was begging Clef, begging him. In fact, on my birthday game day, begging him, and he nixed it. But begging him to play Stevenson's Rocket one more time because the first play, it's one of those games. This is, again, by Kenitia. I think, gosh, I think it came out in either the early 2000s or the late 90s, something like that. And I'll talk about what the mechanisms are, but it's one of those games where you aren't sure why you're doing what you're doing. The mechanisms are pretty simple, but it's just a question of why you want to do what you're doing. And it almost takes a full play of the game to see how you put things together and why you would want to do certain things. So in the game, it is a railroad game. Stevenson's Rocket, as you know, is is a locomotive. And what you're doing is you can do basically three or four actions on a turn. The first action you can take is move one of the railroad lines, which I think there are six or seven, something like that. And you can... You can move that railroad line by extending it by moving one of the locomotives of that line. And in the Grail Games version, at least in the Kickstarter version, there are these nice little plastic miniatures of Stevenson's rockets, which are kind of cool. And you're moving that out, and then you drop a track tile behind it from where you've moved it. So you're creating this track, just like you would with any other track. But once you move it, you you extend, you you take your player token, and you get one point in the stock of that line, which is over off to the side of the board. So now you've got one stock in whatever rail line you moved. However, if somebody already has stock in that rail line because they've moved it previously, they can decide to veto your move. They can say, no, I'm going to, and it becomes an auction once around. And starting to the left of the player who moved it can say, no, I'm going to veto that. And somebody can bid how much of their stock they want to spend. And it goes around once. And basically for the active player who moved it to 
continue that move. They just have to tie the highest bid. They don't even have to go greater than, but everybody else does. So then they spend it. So the only person who loses stock is the person who actually wins the auction, and then it gets moved. So that is one thing. You will move the rail line. Another thing that you do is you can buy or invest, excuse me, invest in industry, which there's a whole industry board, and that corresponds with certain goods that are like in a grid which are connected to different towns. So if the railroad moves, excuse me, not towns, cities. So if the railroad moves next to the city, then you score however many cubes of your color you have in that town for the different industries. And you can get points for that. Then the other thing that you can do is drop down a station house because if a railroad line ever passes through a station house, you get passengers, which you will get uh, a passenger and then you'll also get a a passenger for end majority scoring. So those are the three main actions that you can do. But basically, you can move next to towns and towns will score too. Towns are a little small thing that when you move next to a town, the person that has the most station houses connected to that railway line that connects to the town is going to score for every city, town, or starting railway line connection that they have. So those can kind of add up too. But It's hard to see how things work. And this game can kind of be a mean game because you can sit there and totally veto people's moves if you don't like what they're doing as long as you have the stock to pay for it. And uh, that's that's kind of what happened to Clef. Clef Clef got his moves early in the game. He wanted to go through these stations and we could see he was going to get a good five points out of it and jump into the lead. And so uh, Josh and I kept him from getting into those station houses, which made him a little bit salty. But I, I was laughing so hard I cried, I think. I haven't I haven't laughed that hard in a while. But uh but yeah, I Richie, I think you would I think you would enjoy Stevenson's Rocket. It's it's a Kinesia game, so the mechanisms are pretty simple, but they're not they're not uh there's tons of strategy there. All right, I'm Clef is shaking his head. I, I, I don't know. You <laughs> might like it. Uh, I'll definitely try it. Yeah. I'll definitely try it's it. It's worth a try for you. It's, there's a good game there. Here's what I'll say about it. And, and I actually, after you left today, I was talking to Josh about this. And I said to him, the thing about it is, is it's a little clunky. It's a little clunky with what it's got. It's, it's going on. I mean, it's the whole, you know, outbid somebody with the shares to say the line's going another way is just a little clunky. The whole put the things out there and try to get the, it just, it feels a little clunky to me. Um, it, I can see it's, it's not, I mean, I don't hate the game. It just something about it. Just, I feel like it's just an okay game. And as, as I was trying to say earlier, when, if I have my choice of playing an okay game that has to do with, you know, lane track and, you know, basically kind of, you know, doing anything with a track lane and stuff like that. Well, I'm going to want to play Age of Steam because it's just, you know, it's just that much better. Or, you know, I mean, and maybe it's not quite like brass, but I'm certainly, you know, I mean, in those lines, if I'm going to play a game like that with with player interaction, that's the game that I want to play. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to say waste my time, but I, I don't want to take the time to play that game when I can play one of those games. Now, to be fair, you've been saying that about every railroad game. So is could it be that you just don't really like railroad games, right. but he, you love Age of Steam? He just wants to play Martin Wallace train games, which that's fine. But for me, I, there are other train. Now, is Age of Steam, are Age of Steam and Brass better than this game? Oh, yeah. 
absolutely. I mean, no question. But there's room for a lot of different railway railroad games in my collection. Okay, and I guess for me, that's for me that would not be the case. I mean, I don't want to take the time to play an average railroad game when I can play an amazing one. I'm just that's my opinion. <laughs> well, what would you rate it, Chad? Just a just initial it's really hard. impression. We're talking about two games and probably almost a year. No, apart. just it it on its own. I I would rate it at this point. You're talking like uh, you're talking like our our, our rating scale, uh, yeah, right? Our six point scale. I mean, I definitely rated a four at least at this point. But I mean, that's hard. That's on two plays, and we never never rate a game on two yeah, plays. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just seeing what the yeah, four, four initial initial yeah, just the initial. The I four mean, would stick around yeah, if it was. Well, a yeah, it would be a three for me. I mean, it's not not a bad game. I mean, yeah. I'm and in fact, like, and I I joked with Chad, but I mean, like, if if Chad was like, hey, we want to teach Richie this, play it again, I'll be like, okay, I'll play it. I mean. It's not the worst game in the world. I'm just like I said, it's average to me. Fair enough. That's yeah. So, but yeah, it, it, I, if you're looking for something a little bit different, and this is the other thing why I think you think it's clunky, because most of the games that you played are Martin Wallace, you know, train type games, and and even the 18xx have a little bit of that in their DNA. So Kanitsi is a little bit different. Right. Kanitsi is different because he never plays anybody else's game, so he doesn't have that shared well, railroad language. You know, certain things be. that the train tracks do don't really fit those other rule sets. So I, I can understand sure. what you're saying there. Well, why don't we talk about a rail game that we all got to play together that we all enjoyed that was very good, and that is the Railways of the... Well, it's the Railways of the World system, mm-hmm. but we got to play... Some guy I cannot remember Vital L- 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 Lacerda. Anybody Lorenzo? heard of this guy? Lorenzo Vital Lacerda. Railways of Portugal. Portugal. Yeah. yeah. So very very different map where it was a lot smaller than say the Railways and a Pond map that I played on before. A lot more player interaction where uh, you know I felt like there was more. Uh, I, I like I got cut off like really early and I had to like make some yeah. moves to get around and stuff like that. So anyways, Chad, tell people how you play this game. Well, I mean, I think we've talked a little bit before on how the railways of Nippon or railways of the world system works. You're building those railway lines and quite similar to things like Age of Steam, you're dropping off cubes for that. The The only difference is it's a little bit less harsh of a system, but you are auctioning uh, first player turn each time to get certain cards. That's one of the actions you can do. There are certain cards that either allow you a bonus abilities or they allow you to score certain things if you can do them. Basically, this is a pickup and deliver game. But the interesting thing with this Railways of Portugal map is, again, it seemed a little bit tighter. I think that's part of Vital's influence there. And the other thing was you had these, I think they called them waterways. I'm not I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, water routes. Yeah, yeah water routes. And so you had some between Lisboa and I'm trying to think of Madeira. That was one of them. I know it? Madeira was in there. Yeah. yeah, Lisboa, Madeira had one. There's uh, one with an A. I wish I could remember my my uh, Portu- Portuguese geography, but there's there one that started with an A that was out there too. But anyway, you had these separate waterways that could bypass through the water over land, and and those could get blocked off real quick. And some of those could be pretty valuable, but there were other ones where you could double up on so that a couple different people could have that connection as well. But again. You have, just like on the railways maps, you get 
end game points for connecting certain cities and and uh, doing it before other people. And so you could see up in the top left hand corner of the board that you're wanting to do that as well. And so that made things tighter, too, because you had to go through certain ways to get there. And everybody was kind of racing to do it. It was a, it was a nice little game. We had a, a really fun play of that. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to have more plays now that we know how the map and the, and the waterways can really work. Yeah. And the other thing it had was in-game victory conditions. And I got a card that said, if you have the least number of loans at the end of the game, you get so many points. Well, I knew I had Richie in the game, so I knew I was safe to take that one. <laughs> and that was so true. <laughs> and sure enough, by like turn five, Richie was sitting over there with six loans. <laughs> I'm, I'm just too impatient in this game. You really have to be patient at the yeah. beginning and slowly build up your line. And I just, if they tell me I can just take money, I'm going to take money. And that's what I do. And I, I buy what I want to buy. I can't imagine what... Uh, I can't imagine where you would be living right now if that were like real life for you. You treated, you treated real life like a board game, man. Well, Jessica keeps me in line. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> now I will say because I played the Mexico map a few weeks ago with Jessica, which because it's a tighter map. I like they have like a little mini expansion that is just the event deck that adds like there are positive events in there, but most of the time they're negative. I thought that that kind of made things interesting because the while yes, it's nice to have a tighter board in the you know, the maritime routes were nice. After you get going, it gets a little samey towards the end of the game as you kind of yeah. get towards the end of the game. And that kind of mixes it up a little bit. And also the deck of cards in this one wasn't crazy exciting. So I would definitely recommend throwing in the event deck, which you can, I think you can buy for like 10 bucks. It, and it huh. works with all I'll the railways up, of the of the world uh, games. All right. Okay. That was a good night for you, actually, Chad, because you, you won that game on a tiebreaker. Yep, and then you won bus on a tiebreaker. Well, we've yet not we that we maybe played it right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that we. Yeah, we let's had not some talk about bus. with the passengers. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna I think pa- some of the passengers we're gonna got pass run on over. Bus. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll get that played uh, the right way. But uh, yeah, we ran over some passengers and had some problems <laughs> with that. All right. Well, hey, why don't we head on over to Richie's for a mailbag question? All right, folks, so we got a question, pretty short question here, from Mike Whelan, and he is curious, because he is jealous of how often we get to play, uh-huh. and how many games we get to play, so he's curious on how often we get to play a week. Well, Chad, how often do you get to play in a week? Well, if it's a Gricola, it's zero, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that'd be for the month. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> for, the, um, for the year. So, I pretty regularly the most regular play i get is when we spend a night during the week getting together doing the podcast and maybe playing a game or just playing a game so because we record every other every other week basically that is the most consistent for me and then i'll sometimes get stuff with my family on the weekend generally either saturday or sunday once in a while i will get to play a game maybe once a month i'll get to play a game on a on a night during the week that my family is busy doing something else and I'll have somebody come over and we'll, we'll get something played that needs to be reviewed or whatever. So not a ton. I think you guys get a little bit more, but that's my situation. And I mean, mine, I, I get a little bit more and I, I honestly, it's probably just because I mean, I only live about eight minutes away from Clef and sometimes he'll just shoot, shoot me a message and you know, Jessica's already in bed or the kids are already asleep so I can sneak over. Uh, but usually like me and Jessica will play, like maybe three, three or four times throughout the week, um, just depends. And usually it's nothing, you know, 
large or grandiose or anything like that. Just a little card game or something like that. Uh, but yeah, usually the Thursday is our game night and that's guaranteed almost each week. And then whatever I can get in with Jessica throughout the week. And then if Clef randomly pops in, you know, I try, I try to, to do that. Um, well, I get, certainly we, we get our, as we all just mentioned, we have our normally Thursday nights together where we'll, even if we record, we still try to get in something quick, you know, uh, afterwards. Um, then I have a regular night that I play on, on Friday nights. And then usually on Saturday, if you know, nothing's going on, I'll play something. Sometimes I had, uh, our local listener, Jake, he'll have a game night usually once a month and I'll try to hit that if I can. And then I'm kind of lucky in the fact that I still, I have lots of people that like to play games. So like I have my, I have a, uh, a friend, Brian, who comes over and we play a lot of two player games. And then, you know, I can still get my, uh, my Mason, my son or my wife, you know, we can play games together, you know, so I, you know, I'm probably fortunate out of the most of you guys where, you know, I get a lot of different uh, nights to game and a lot of time to game. So on average, how many how many uh, days a week would you say you get to game? Four on average. That's pretty good. Yeah. Usually, yeah. I mean, Mondays and Tuesdays are about the only days that I don't have an opportunity to game. And otherwise, yeah. But even that doesn't have, like this past Monday, you know, it was just yeah. uh, something, you know, hey, let's get together. And we did. So, uh, you know, hey, uh that's kind of what I do, though. I mean, I don't go out and go drinking. I don't go out and, I don't know, go watch the Huskers lose. Or, you know, I don't go do any of that type of stuff. <laughs> you know, I I mean, I, I like to play board games. So, that's so yeah, I mean, I think if people, I think when it really comes to gaming, if you want to make more time to game, you can, if that's what your priority is. You know, I mean, that's just how I feel. And I certainly make it a priority if that's something I want to do. If my priority was I want to go do other things, then I would game less. Right. I mean, it all depends on what your commitments are, too. I mean, if you have two jobs or, you know, that, that some of those kinds of things sure. limit your game time. You have kids in athletic, you know, younger kids in athletics and stuff. You're going to their games or taking them to this and that. Those, those things uh, inhibit Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Well. But I still will say, no matter what, if you want to focus on your spare time to play games you can like for instance for the difference between my wife and me if i've had a hard day at work and had a long you know 10 12 hour day to come home to play a board game to me is a relaxing thing to do and to like my wife that would be like torture you know she wants to just lay there and do nothing or whatever type of thing or you know go to sleep so that's just a difference and that's so I, that's why I do play as much board games as I can, because I do concentrate on it. Yeah, I mean, if Jessica was not into games, then, I mean, that would cut most of my gaming out, honestly. It, it would be tough. And and she's like Missy, where when she gets home from work, she doesn't necessarily want to play anything heavy. Every once in a while, I, I can convince her to do it, or I'll just set it up on the table and we'll play it you know, on Saturday or Sunday over the weekend. She doesn't mind that. But, yeah, it, that would significantly cut in if she was not on board with playing as many games. Yeah. Sure. All right, Michael, thank you for the question. And if anyone else has any other questions out there, you can go ahead and shoot them over to punchboardparadise at gmail.com or jump into our Slack and throw it in there or even our guild, Guild 3227. And now I think we're going to talk about some holiday games. Is that right, Chad? Yeah, well, I just thought, you know, the holiday is upon us pretty pretty much. And I, I just thought we were talking about games and playing games and how much time we get to play with games. And for me... This is a time that I get to because everybody has free time. They're relaxing, kind of hanging out with each other. And it's not a lot of heavy 
heavy games, but games that our families want to play. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about, you know, games that we tend to play or get played or we're looking forward to playing with our families around this holiday time. So Richie, I know you and I have some of the same tastes this way. What what kinds of games do you look forward to playing with your family? I know your family, you talk about card games and then there's a lot of like tradition around your family and card games. So what kind of what kind of games do you guys like to play when you get together over the holidays? Yeah, we'll usually play trick-taking games. I mean, that's usually what hits the table most of the time uh, with my family. Uh, so lately, like when my parents are in town, we've been playing a game called Texas Showdown, which is a trick-taking game where you have a deck. I think it's like 80 cards in the deck, and there's about 10 suits. It's a lot of suits. But the cards, there's no repeats in the cards. The cards go from 1 to 80. The way that it works is that a traditional trick-taking game, highest card is going to take the trick, but the way that it works is what you can play is based on the colors that have been put out there. So if someone leads brown, you have to follow suit with brown, but if no one has brown, then they play off and play like green. Now the next person can play brown or green, and it just kind of changes like that. Um, so that's what we've been playing lately. It's, it plays really quick, plays really fast, and we can get that in. So we'll, we'll play stuff like that. Also, Terra is another one that we'll hit the table every once in a while because we we'll do kind of like trivia type stuff where it doesn't. The nice thing about that is that you you don't have to be good at trivia. You know, you can, you know, if someone's really good at trivia, you can just kind of watch what they're doing and put your cube kind of near where they are to kind of score the same points off of it. But Yeah, yeah. I have America that's the, the same yeah, version same thing. of it. Yep. I was just going to say, so Clef, I got America after I played it with you because I knew uh-huh. my, my family and my sister in particular really likes trivia games. And this was a way that we could all play a trivia game with her where it's not just like you either know it or you don't or you're, you know, screwed. So, I mean, for those that don't know about how the Terra or the America system works, Tell, tell the audience how that uh, kind of works Basically, as, as a trivia game, you'll have a question that would be something like, say, when were hot dogs invented? Or something, or well, something about hot, I should say hot dogs is the category. And then we'll have three different questions. And one will be some sort of a year. So what year were hot dogs invented? Okay. Then one will be something to do in, in the America version. It has something to do with one of the 50 states. Like, where was the first hot dog eating contest at and then finally the last one will be a number and so then it would be like say how many hot dogs did you know the world championship hot dog eater eat or something so it doesn't so it's just random kind of weird things but obviously most of the time you're not going to know what the exact answers are so you'll put your cubes out on the board and you'll get points for if you hit it exactly but you can also hit points for adjacency so like if you chose say california as the state and it ended up being Nevada, you're still adjacent, so you get some points. And same thing with like the years, and they're they're like in five block years. It's not like one year each of them or whatever. So they, it's it's kind of a fun game where sometimes you might think, "Ooh, that other person does know what they do," and then you'll try to piggyback on top of them. It's just kind of a fun little trivia game. Yeah, this is definitely one. If if your family likes trivia, but yet you know somebody's like, "Oh, I'm not really good at trivia," this is a good one to get to the table. I mean, this is. You know, especially if you got anybody out there in the world that still plays that terrible, terrible trivial pursuit game, <laughs> show them this because this is much, much better of a game. And nice, it plays a lot of people, and it's one of those games that you can drop in and out of pretty easily. Yeah, you know, play a couple rounds and then just get out because I think you only play like four cards for. I a think whole it's game. supposed to be four cards. I mean, I usually always play each player who 
play is playing in the game gets two card gets to do two cards because okay. you have a yeah. little bit of an advantage if you're the one pick you get to go last or first or I can't remember what it is but yeah so that's kind of how I play it but yeah that's that is a fun one that's a good one for a family to play yeah and you actually showed me the uh, there's that timeline challenge one too I think that has all those different categories that are kind of fun as well yeah that's another one that I I really enjoy getting together the family enjoys that too because once again it's you know put these cards in a in a timeline but the the timeline game the timeline challenge has different areas as you're kind of doing things as opposed to just putting them out in order and once again it's a fun little thing and it's a good little exercise for your brain uh, yeah that's a solid one too one of the uh games that my family really enjoys playing when we get together is well it's funny because I, I like getting together with all the younger kids and and playing games because they just really get into it and they're really emotional about it but we'll play camel up certainly and that's fun for the whole family just getting crazy yeah, and rooting absolutely. on the camels you yeah. know and and the the newest version from uh plan b games and next step games i think it, it is is uh has the black and white camels in it which yep. can send send your camels going backwards which is even more craziness so yeah they they love that yeah that's a good 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 family party kind of fun game yeah so the other one that uh, the kids like to play too because again you got to remember that at least some of these kids are kids of theater families and so we will get together and play it's just a silly little game but it's called but wait there's more and it's basically where you're playing that playing you're drawing cards from a deck and you might draw uh, you might draw a, a a razor, a straight razor that for shaving your beard, and then you somebody else will draw a card that says, "But wait, there's more." And so what you're going to have to do is basically you're going to have to sell this to people. You've got a certain number of time, uh, maybe sixty seconds, I think, and then they will turn over the "But wait, there's more" card, and then you'll have to say it's a razor, but it's also your parents. And because you you have turned over another card that says like your your parents oh, or something like that, Sounds so fun. then you're 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 having to having to do that. And the other cool thing is it does have a voting system. So like um, apples to apples, you know those kinds of things, which we we don't really enjoy. These are cards first, second, and third place that you would uh, put face down. So you can't really game it because you don't know who's handing out what to each each person mm. so it's kind of nice the way that works and it's just a, little, a fun little creative brain exercise that the, that people really get into and have a lot of laughs a couple other times up is always a good i mean we always love playing times up a great great game i want to um, say i think that helped cement my status as games master with my work group ooh, so. that was, oh wow that was yeah. a, <laughs> a tipping point huh? um and then I think a game which we talked about back when it was being kickstarted that we've just all gotten now is that wavelength game Guys, if you have not seen this game, check it out. I was not really sold when back when Chad was talking about it because, quite honestly, I wasn't one hundred percent understanding. Or but, it doesn't listen to what I well, say. Well, partly I barely listen to well, Chad. Well, you know, Tris, Tris Magistus. Well, I did listen to him to buy Tris Magistus. Whoops. Um, but anyways, uh, wavelength. Oh my goodness, this is a super fun game that uh, where you're trying to have somebody kind of on a scale of, you know, where like super bad to super good or whatever the category is, you're trying to get them to get to that spot on the wheel. It's really interesting. I, I probably it, don't do a good job explaining it either, but it's hard to it's explain fun. if you can't see yeah. what, what it is, but we're going to probably talk about more about plays uh, because we will get plays in with yeah. our family over the holidays. Absolutely. I'm sure I just got a, uh, a text uh, from uh, Jordan Hopper. He wanted to make sure to tell everybody, 
a really fun game is Skull King, and he loves that game and says to everybody, <laughs> play it. And it's an amazing game. Thank you, Jordan Hopper, for that. Uh, text he always right there. he just always raves about yeah. Skull oh King. He, he loves it. Loves if Skull you were King. on Twitter, hit up Jordan Hopper and tell him how much you love Skull King. In all honesty, I do not understand how Jordan Hopper does not like this game. <laughs> Jordan Hopper, you are wrong. I think honestly, I and I've played this. You know, some people that like pitch and some of those other very traditional card games, they don't want their traditional card games messed with. They're like, okay, I will play. You know, I'll play this crazy board game that does this and this. But that's just. You're you're sticking in special powers in my card game, and I don't like it. And I think that's well, they're know. wrong. So yep, <laughs> we still love you, Jordan, but you're wrong. <laughs> so anyway, that is kind of an idea of some some fun games that we like to play with the family over the holidays. We're going to put up on our guild three two two seven of same post with this, and we'd love to hear your interaction, what you are going to get played, what you're looking forward to getting played over the holidays, and what some of your family's favorite games are. All right. Well, hey, I think it's time to get to a review. Pretapote. Yeah. Richie, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Preter Preta Porter? Porte? Portotor? Close, close, close. Yeah, all right. Anyways. Credit Porter is an economic worker placement game where you are managing a fashion company. The game plays out over a year, consisting of 12 rounds, divided into four quarters. And at the end of every quarter, there's a fashion show where you're going to be competing for various awards. So the way the game works, like I said, it's a worker placement game. And at the beginning of every month, you'll have a worker phase. And at the beginning of the worker phase, there's a planning phase. And all that means is that you're going to be taking one of your three workers Uh, going around the table and placing them in the different sections of the board. And the board is broken into nine different areas. And I'll kind of quickly gloss over what each of those areas do. But after everyone has placed their workers on the board, uh, then it will resolve from top to bottom. Uh, So starting with the first area, that is just the credit area. It's where you can go and get cash. Any number of workers can go in that spot. And then the next three areas are kind of, they kind of work the same. So they are, the first one is contracts, uh, then there's buildings, and then employees. Uh, Contracts will kind of give you a game-breaking ability that over time will get worse and then will eventually go away. And then the uh, buildings, you have to pay for them up front. They'll increase your upkeep costs, which I'll talk about upkeep later, and they will give you a kind of game-breaking ability that will be permanent for the rest of your game. And buildings also give you the ability to hire more employees. Uh, And then employees, they are free to take, but they will obviously increase your upkeep costs since you have to pay your employees. Uh, But they will also give you some type of ability that you will be able to take advantage of throughout the game. Then in the fifth section, that's where you can go and collect more designs. And that's kind of the the crux of the game. You're trying to put together a nice collection to take to the fashion show where you're going to sell and make money. And in this game, money equals the exact same as one-to-one to points at the end of the game. So in this section, you're going to be collecting, you're basically going to be trying to collect the same style or color, uh, which you're going to take to the fashion show at the end of the quarter. And then the uh, next three spots are where you're going to go buy thread. So this is how you complete your designs. So the cards that you picked up in the previous section, they all have one or two spools that are different colors on them. And in these different markets that you can buy from, which they represent a local market, a warehouse, and an import market, the only difference is going to be the price. 
and how many of a certain color you can buy from each of those markets and also the amount of quality that you're going to get based on the purchase that you make there. So you'll be purchasing these to place onto your cards to complete your designs. And then the last section is the last preparation board. And this is where you will kind of go if you need to get something last minute. So uh, there are four different spots there that have quality, PR, money, and trend. And you will be able to select one of those that are still available for you. Uh, then you'll go into an upkeep phase, a growth in upkeep phase. So in this uh, section here, you're, all you're going to be able to do is upgrade one of your buildings and or one of your employees, and then you have to pay for all of your upkeep costs. And Clef, what happens if you cannot pay your upkeep costs? You take a loan. You got to take a loan. We'll talk more about that probably during the review. Yeah, we could <laughs> skip it, but sure, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> uh, and that's really it as far as the main game goes. So you're going to be doing a, a, a two worker phases and two upkeep phases, and then you'll get to the final month of the quarter, which is going to be the fashion show. And the way that the fashion show works is that throughout those worker and upkeep phases, you're going to be collecting different tokens that are going to be basically judged at these fashion shows. What gets judged at the fashion show depends on how the tiles got laid out in the beginning of the game. Uh, the four categories that are on the tile that could possibly be judged are the no the size of your collection, so the number of cards they have in your collection, the number of trend tokens that you have, the number of PR tokens that you have, and also the number of quality tokens that you have. You'll compare each one of those, which will then award ribbons, which ribbons will translate into points. And that's really it. It's going to be uh, do your worker phase, do your upkeep, and then eventually you'll get to a fast show at the end of the quarter. And you will rinse and repeat until you get through all 12 rounds of the game. And at the end of the game, whoever has the most money and victory points combined is the winner of the game. And that is Predator. Just a quick overview. Let's get into it, fellas. So we're going to talk about art and components to start off yeah absolutely well, what'd you think clef uh very nice i mean uh good you know the board is well laid out i think that the components that you have i mean you basically have these worker pawns that are discs that are just fine uh the cards are good quality they're a little hard to pick off the board <laughs> i mean if you remember yeah. that it was it got to be a little bit hard to pick them off the board but I don't think that really has much to do with the quality. It's it's fine. Um, Art-wise, you know, it's got some fashion-y stuff on it. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> well, Chad, you you're know the... I'm the worst person to ask about this. Yeah, yeah. let's say Chad is the fashionista of the, yeah, of the group. Clearly. So. Clearly. In I mean, addition to you... being the games master, I'm the fashionista. <laughs> you should see this outfit he's wearing right now. I mean, it's got it's like, beautiful. A, like a, yeah, a little uh, bow tie and like a pink suit thing with mm -hmm. some... Oh my With goodness, Chad! Yep. I mean, yeah. it's just our podcast. You don't have to dress up like this. Oh, was it for Predator? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, it's looking good. It's looking good. Thanks. Well, you know, I mean, Quan Chai Moria does a great job here, and even though the board is kind of busy, I think that his art is is really great for it. Now, in the Kickstarter, came with some other art cards if you want to put them in, and it's interesting to look through those. But Quan Chai's art just seems to typify what the board game wants to evoke and so i think that that part of it it's great but the one thing that we haven't talked about fellas this might be the first good portal game rule book seriously no it, it is a fantastic rule there's one issue that i have with it okay what would that be the one issue i have with it is this game centers around you getting new employees picking up these contracts, getting these buildings, and there is just a ton of text on all of these cards, and they all do something different, and there are special rules for each of these cards, and none of that is in the rule book 
out of the box. That's so, true. You had printed off that that. Well, hold on, hold on. Okay. Before you tell this, so I played this game first with Richie, right? And sure enough, you know, we had some questions on some of the cards, and Richie, you know, I had this sheet that listed all the people on them or whatever, right? So I'm like, okay, cool. We'd go, we'd read, we'd figure it out. Well, then the next time I played it, it was with Chad, and it was with your copy. And we got to a rules question. I was like, well, where's the sheet that shows all the people? And you're like, I don't think there is one. I'm like, yes, there is. There's a sheet that shows everything <laughs> on there. And you're like, I don't think so. And I'm like looking through the rule book. I'm like, there's a sheet. And then finally Chad's like, well, maybe Richie just printed it off. And I was like, oh, really? There's not a sheet that shows what each card is? And I was just like, that was I was kind of dumbfounded. But uh, yeah, that's that's missing. That should be a page in the rule book. Yeah, I don't know how that, that didn't get... And it would be perfect like if they did like in Lisboa where you kind of get your own little menu. Right. And I mean, that's basically what I did. I just printed them off, uh, four of them, so that everyone could have one. Uh, and I mean, they did release it after the Kickstarter in like the art style of this. And I think that was directly from Portal. But I, I just don't know how that didn't get into the rule book. Uh, that's, that's a good point. That is. A, I think that's what nice. threw me is because it looked so professional. It didn't look like, a, you know, something from you know, a file off of BGG right, or whatever, right, right. you know, so that's why I thought it was part of the game. I just have to give them points because I don't usually expect a decent rule book out of Portal, and this one was. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, learning the game from the rule book is super easy. It's just once you get going, you're going to have questions about the buildings and the employees and how everything works together, and so you need that sheet. So definitely go to BGG, print that off, get it laminated, and get it in your box because you're going to need it. Right, but I would agree with you guys. I think actually... At least with the Kickstarter version, the art and components of this game are just spot on. I mean, they're exactly what they need to be, not overproduced. You've got nice little wooden tokens yeah. with a good silk screen on them. I mean, they're great. It, the money is decent money. I mean, for for the, uh, you know, it's those hard uh, cardboard, you they, know, money chips. They look like yeah. credit credit cards, which is kind of fun. They look like credit yeah. cards, and they're, and they're actually pretty thick cardboard, so Yeah, nice. absolutely. No, that's, that's good. And... The other thing that I thought the just back to the iconography, solid job. I mean, once mm -hmm. you kind of yeah. understand, you know, if there's a picture of a pawn on the card or if there's a picture of like the little cash register, which is the upkeep phase, or if like a little picture of the person walking on a runway, you know, that's the show. Very easy to read the iconography once you understand it. It's, you know, so I think they did a good job there. Yeah, they did a fantastic job with the layout of the cards. And, and I didn't say this in the uh, rules overview, but there are some at, at the beginning of every uh, phase or every when you're resolving each area, people can take no action pawn. So if they don't have any pawns there, they can take an action before everyone else takes actions. It, it, depending on the cards that they have. And that's clearly called out on the cards. It's easy to see. It's easy to see when that triggers. And yeah, they did a fantastic job uh, with the, the graphic layout of the of the cards. Yeah. One thing that I thought was interesting, because I played this with Stephanie. Now, did you, I don't know if we'll talk about theme, but here seems like a good place to talk about theme. They, this was a fashion show, and I know that he was going to, to change it to video games, and I was glad he, he didn't because there aren't a lot of, of board games about video games either, but it's nice to have, have something that's a little bit different, this fashion show theme. But Stephanie said, this was interesting, she said, you know, this didn't feel much to me like a fashion show. This felt like you're actually, she said, if anything, it felt like you're a music producer. Like, 
because it's it's about the economy of the game and you're a music producer you're getting all these people in and you're you've got these contracts and you're doing this and that which was interesting i could i could actually easily see it rethemed to that because her argument was if i'm a fashion designer i want something creative i want to make something and have something creative so she 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 was disappointed that in some phase she wasn't actually she was just get, getting recipe fulfillment with the designs and she wasn't really feeling like she created something which in in a theme like this she wanted to have. Yeah, and I mean I know a lot of people talk about you know theme versus setting. I mean I would say this is set in a fashion world, but I mean theme wise, I you know I'm not sure you're getting a lot of theme out of it for being a fashion designer. You're really just trying to you know make sets and trying to buy supposed yarn for it you know yeah i mean just like rococo you know i mean the theme is about making dresses and suits but you're not really excuse me the setting is about making dresses and suits but yeah i mean it's i mean you're running a business and that business could easily be swapped out for anything yeah right so it is more economic in nature but i would i would argue i think rococo with its mechanisms even gives you a better feel of being at a party or those kinds of things than than this might evoke with this theme but now i will say like i said the art components try to give you as much of the trappings of the setting as possible so now on to uh gameplay right yeah all right so chad what's your feelings on the gameplay here well so this is a reprint of a 2011 game which was clamored for by uh, a lot of people because when it went out of of circulation and you couldn't get a copy a lot of people still really wanted this game and i thought that uh, well i didn't know what to expect exactly but i knew it was a worker placement game i liked the theme and I thought that for the most part, the gameplay holds up. Is the gameplay anything astonishingly innovative? Nope. No, it's not. But it is still interesting in the planning that is required. So we talked about the way that things trigger one through nine on those spots, and then they also trigger left to right. And the complication becomes when you, when your neighbor or one of your opponents has one of those card powers that Richie talked about, where they can grab something before your spot triggers that action in in that particular numbered worker placement spot. So, for instance, if I am the furthest left to get a design, I've seen it, I'm so excited to have it, and Richie's got an employee that lets you lets him grab off off of the top deck or off of the display a design before any of the worker placement spot triggers, then he might take my thing. And I, I have to pay attention to that. I have to see that. And and there are tons of triggers for that. Also, I have to see that I'm going to need some thread coming up to finish my designs because you don't think about it, but suddenly those fashion shows come up real quick. And especially the the ones towards the end of the year seem to compound really quickly, especially if everybody else has more designs than you do, which is a factor sometimes too. Planning and having enough money is is more than you think it's going to be at first, and it kind of surprises you. And I think, Clef, it snuck up on you a little bit when you've had well, your first play. The, the unique thing, if, if there is for something unique in this game, I think is how the upkeep works. Because you can continue to purchase more buildings and more employees And, uh, you know, or, you know, you can get credit, uh, which, you know, just giving you money, but all these things are going to increase your upkeep, um, where you start off the game, you're, you're going to basically have $3 worth of salaries to your untrained employees. But as you continue to grow your thing, I mean, I think the other day I was paying like $32 or something for my upkeep. And so it can really start to compound. Now, granted, 
all of those things. Those employees are giving you cool abilities. The buildings are giving you cool abilities. You know, so you're, you're getting these cool things, but they come at a cost. And let me tell you, if you can't pay your upkeep, as I said just a little bit ago, you've got to take a loan. Loans are bad in this game. You do not want to take a loan because for one thing, not only are you taking a loan to simply pay your upkeep, but it costs you more money during your upkeep. And when you have to go pay it back where you only get 20 bucks for the loan, you actually pay back 28. But if you take it like in the first upkeep and you have to pay that two times before you go to a show, it's actually going to cost you an extra $12 because it will be $32 that you're actually be paying on it to get it back. And yeah. that's a lot of money. And, and, that, and that's points. That's points. I mean, that's yeah. points at the end Every of the game. Every dollar is a point, yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what you definitely don't want to do. You definitely do not want to have to take a loan pay off your to loan. pay off the other loan <laughs> or to pay more upkeep. Um, the first game we play to this, I, as I often do, sleep through rules teachers. I'm just a bad learner. You know, I'm a much better teacher. I'm just a bad learner. And Richie was saying, hey, you do this and you got to have sets together. And when I started playing, I thought I had to have sets of the, like they have these special, your specialty ability, which is like right. pants or shoes, shoes or, or yeah. you know, whatever each, it is. Each player has their own, own specialty. specialty. I thought I was trying to make those matches together. So all of a sudden I get ready for the first show and I'm playing with Richie and I'm playing with my son, Mason, and I get ready and I'm ready to put this up and they both look at me and they go, no, it's not a match. It's got to be a color match. And I was like, Oh, whoops. So then I only got to put up one thing, and then it was all bad. And this is definitely a game where you can put yourself in a big hole, and it's hard to get out. We were like in, I don't even know, like the second round or whatever you want to call it of this thing, and both Richie and my son had like like $100, and I had two loans and three bucks, you know. So, I mean, I was just, I was done. You know, it was was a definite Vino's death spiral. I mean, there was no question about it. Have you guys ever seen anyone take more loans than other players and win the game? I've seen someone take a loan and still win the game. And actually, I yeah, think it just I'm, happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Jake, uh, Jake did that, and he he leveraged the credit the best that I've seen anyone do it yet as well. And I'm actually starting to think that that credit's not that bad because I mean, really, you're increasing your upkeep by one, and if you take it like in the second half of that month, you're really only losing. The, the upkeep cost. Right. Because you're getting if, that $10. If you need that money to like pay for thread to be able to bring it to the show. I mean, you don't right. want to just take yes. it for... Yeah, not, yeah, you can't just take it just to take it. But yeah. if you have a plan and your plan's going to generate more points than you know just losing two points, then it's definitely worth it to take it. The key with taking that credit, though, I think, is just like in brass, you want to take it... If you're going to take it, you want to take it for the most amount so that basically you can really take advantage of it. Just, sure. So just like the brass loans. So you want to make sure that when you take that spot, if you can, you have a large amount of designs to let you take that bigger credit right. level. Now, the only thing, and, and I mean, it's the same thing that you would say about brass. Obviously, you've got to waste an action to do it. You've got to waste an, ac- an action pawn to be able to go up there and get credit, which you've only got three. That's all you're ever going to have, and there's nine different action spots, so that can really hurt you there, too. I would say it's probably best not to have to get credit if you don't, if you can help it, but if you do need it, I mean, I yeah, I do think it's maybe not as bad as yeah, like you, outlook alone. You probably don't want to go up there every round, but uh, I think it was in the, like almost, I think it was the second to last round where Jake went up there and he got like 30 or 40 bucks. And then he put that he put it to good use and really turned it around. So right. 
Right. And I think also that can really help too. There, there's a, I believe it's an employee card that lets you leverage that credit for free when you first take it too. So that's an added bonus where you can, I can't remember if it's just the 20 credit or if there are other ones as well, but that, that, that could be um, another incentive for taking that credit. The, the, for the gameplay in this, the cards are the, are the game. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the coolness of this game is you can go down a lot of different alleys where you can get employees that will give you money during the upkeep, called the accountant, which helps you just get straight money. You can get ones that will help you get the different uh, tokens of the quality, you know, either a trend or quality or PR to help you try to win those ribbons. Um, the buildings, you can get buildings that will certainly help you, uh, you know, uh, draw more cards so you have more designs. Yep. And then there's also a building that I have used really well in one game, and then in one game I've, I flamed out with it, but it's called the Investment House, where basically you're just spending money to get victory points. Like you spend 15 bucks, you get 25 victory points. And if you can kind of get one of those going early, like I did in the game that I was playing with uh, Chad and Richard that we played, and I just pounded that thing. And I mean, I had the best score I ever had. I was at like 523 or something in the game. But the game I played with, the four-player game we played the other day, I tried running two of those, didn't you, work. You almost and, ended up in last place. And yeah. I, yeah, I barely took third place, but I still, yeah, I was still far behind. So It's really interesting in this game when you get to the final and you and you see those people that have saved up a lot of money and and use that as points at the end of the game versus people that have just been pounding certain things with their money and sometimes you you get to be surprised at you know spe- spending all your money by the end of the game is not necessarily the way to win this game you yeah. know even if you've spent it wisely it's it's interesting to see how that evens out yeah cuz it's it's a one for one every dollar is a victory point so i mean yeah you can have a few hundred dollars sitting in front of you at the end of the game and maybe only scored like a hundred or so in the game that's still a 400-point total, even if some other guy was rolling crazy because I had lapped everybody at oh, way least early. twice yeah. 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 in the game we played at. And like you said, I still almost came in dead last. Yep. So One thing that's interesting, too, and that I actually like about this game is you could have two accountants in your employee. You could have two investment banks like you just talked about. You can double up on some of those card powers. So then it it can be, depending on how you how you work it, it can be more rewarding and it's fun to see those combos kick off if you can do that. So that's a that's another bonus with it. So how what do you guys feel about the randomness in this? I was just gonna say let's talk card draw, fellas, because okay. yeah, that that's that's something you have to consider with this game. If you're somebody who is bar uh, who is bothered by card draw so there are mitigatable effects right so one of the things that we run into clef i know you talked about in one of the games we played that investment house worked out really well for you because you also had a ton of points you won a bunch of fashion shows because it just worked out really well that you got the collections to line up and you were able to do the the particular piece of clothing that your your designer was good at right so i got trend tokens out of that yep and it just rolled right along yep so you can definitely have those instances where you don't get that now there is a power where you can take a wild symbol you have to get the employee to do it but you can take a a wild symbol and put it on the card token so that it can become any collection essentially or you can make one so that they are sportswear and uh coffee houseware or whatever but i mean richie what do you think about about 
about the randomness of the card draw with this game i mean it, it is definitely random as far as like the flop and i don't know if i said this during the rules overview but at the end of every worker round all the cards wipe so you're going to get a fresh new batch of cards out there and you can only see what the top card is going to be you, you can't really plan for like after you've played it a few times you can't necessarily plan for a, per, a particular card to come out in like a certain round and like be ready for it but i mean you can plan more for the shows like that seems a little bit more under your control of you know okay uh trend is really important this show so i'm going to focus on trend and hit it hard and try to get that that seems doable but the actual flop of the cards doesn't but i i don't mind it so much like in the four player game especially because like you were saying uh before or when i first got here it seems like when you have you know you have a good contract out there a good building that okay if you go up there and you take that it's it's possible that you might get shut out of you know getting fabric sure uh, and you know and you may or, yeah. really need that Spot yeah so yeah. that seemed more important like in the four-player game and that that seemed to kind of mitigate the randomness or at least keep it kind of in check as far as you couldn't just get everything that you wanted like if you were the first player i mean you definitely have an advantage as the first player sure now the the randomness i definitely would say though is like let's say i'm collecting uh you know blue cards or whatever i whatever the colors are and I'm trying to collect blue to send to the fashion show. And like I said, you, you have to be, they have to all be the same color unless you have one of those things to mitigate it. But normally, you know, if it's all blue, well, if the cards that all come out are none of them are blue, then you're trying to top deck to try to get a blue. And even you might have, and I remember there was a time, Richie, then in the game where you, yeah, that's, that's you what... drew like five cards looking for a green or something and couldn't find a green. Yeah, that's what and would have made a huge difference. You might have yeah, won the game. I I think I would have won the game because yeah. yeah, that screwed me because I had, had the previous or uh, after the previous show I had been building up. Uh, I think it was purple, and then when Joe flipped out the cards, all green. Yeah, they were all right. green. They were all green. Yep. <laughs> and I did not have a, a way to switch more than one card. I could switch one card, but I couldn't switch two. And then Jake ended up catching up with me. Yeah. On number in the collection, which was really important for that uh, for the last show because I had a card that would give me eighteen. Uh, dollars or basically 18 points for every category that I won and I, I needed that to get above him and he tied me there which just negated it so. yeah and no, I mean it's a game and obviously you're going to have random aspects to a game but if that's something that bothers you in games be aware that that's gonna be a possibility in this game you're not always going to find your right card absolutely and so let's dovetail that real quick you guys have played two, three, and four. I want to talk about player count in a second, but just to dovetail it with, with randomness and card draw, randomness doesn't bother me always in a game, depending on how long the game is. The longer a game is, the more randomness, then, then I'm starting to get annoyed. So how long does this game go with the different player counts, would you say? Gosh, I feel like a two-player game, if you know what you're doing, you could get through it in 45 minutes, I would guess, maybe an hour. Probably an hour. I would say an hour, like maybe an hour, hour 15. Yeah. Stephanie and I, our first teach, got it done in about an hour 20. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. That's with really the good. teach? Yep. The teach isn't do, bad. The I didn't do much of a teach with her. Oh, she doesn't you, like the rules-heavy approach. You did what I did. Yeah. What I told you to yeah, do. Yeah. Okay, good. So we just kind of said, look, this is the goal for fashion shows. We're just going to go through. You're not going to understand why we're doing some of these things at first. But here, here are the worker placement spots, basics. And then, you know, when we get to the fashion show, you just want to kind of collect these symbols. And, and as we went, I kind of helped her along. Yeah, I kind of do the... Uh, the drip method. <laughs> yeah, so like an hour, hour 15 for a two-player game. Yeah. The, I mean, the three and the four-player game were about the same, I, I believe. 
Um, I mean, well, we played a really fast four-player game. Well, we <laughs> but, had four fast players. Yeah. And that, because I mean, what was that like? That was a little under two hours. Yeah. Right? Easily, yeah. So, I mean, probably with and that's most with, people, with you could probably be a little over two hours in a four-player game. Yeah. And then and once like, again, it's going to depend on how how your AP-ish is with, with players. Um, this has the, and I think you said this, Chad, I mean, this has the, the Lorenzo aspect to it of, you know, here's how you play the game. Now here's a whole bunch of cards that you have to look through. And if you're somebody who's like, oh, God, I don't want to look a lot. Okay, I'm just going to go and put my thing here. Yeah, that's then obviously you're not maybe going to do as well. Or if you have the opposite where you're going to have somebody who's going to sit there and analyze every single card for, you know, 10 minutes before they make a move. Well, then, yes, the game's going to take longer. Yeah. And also, if you don't have those sheets that you can print off, then you're that's going to take even longer. Because, I mean, everything you have to look up, you're going to have to get on your phone yeah. and look up True. any rules, questions that you have. So. Yeah. Print off those sheets. <laughs> well, let's talk player count. What do you guys like it best at? I played it at two and three, but I haven't played it at four. You guys have. So what do you like it best at? And does it vary a lot from count to count? I really enjoyed the four player game that we had. Four player. Yeah, I think I think it's best at four. Yep. Uh, it's nice and tight. You have people going all over the place, you know, snagging stuff. Clef had uh, he had one card which let him switch, <laughs> oh, this is the switch the order of the uh, how the the player pawns resolved oh and so gabby because gabby asked this in slack is is this a mean game <laughs> and, <can't> be. <laughs> and i have to say gabby because i think i told you no it's not a mean <laughs> game that you can just get in people's way just like a normal worker placement game but with that card and there's a couple other cards it's just that you don't get to see every card in action just because a lot of times they get wiped uh but with that card clef was definitely being a little mean <laughs> well, I, well there's that one and then there's also the cards that basically you get to resolve the action space first and if you don't notice that somebody has that yeah you all of a sudden put a pawn out there and all of a sudden it comes time for you to take a card and there's no cards out there and you just totally wasted wasted an pawn. action yeah and you don't this ain't crystal palace you getting a buck back or something i mean you get nothing nothing and you only get three actions basically yeah. per turn uh, as far as so, your action pawns go yeah so losing one is you so you can be mean in that aspect. Now, that's your own fault if you're not paying attention to that. But now, did you guys feel like again? We've talked about this with uh, Keyflower, for example. When you have a lot of players, well, four is the max in this game. But when you have a lot of players, knowing what their tableau is around the table, did you do you feel like that was difficult in this game when you have to keep track of that with four? There's not that many cards that affect the no. other players. I mean, and like we would just ask, we were like, yeah. okay, does anyone like before we were about to place an action pawn like in the employees? It's like, does anyone have anything that they could snake an yep. employee? That's exactly. what I mean, just, that's what we would just ask. So yeah, so I think if you do that, I think it's it's your tablets. This isn't terraforming Mars where you got six thousand cards or whatever. You know, you might have maybe ten by the end of the game. Yeah, or something it's like not that. a huge so, tableau. No, it's not a huge tableau where it's hard and it's all to open information, so it's not like you're giving anything away by asking that question or you know it's it's open information everyone's supposed to know what everyone has it's just over the course of the game you may forget that someone has a certain power might like do an upgrade or something maybe that could get like into something that maybe you wouldn't have realized but yeah for the most part no i don't i don't think it's hard to keep track of so i'm hearing four from both of you guys is your favorite but do you like it at two you play it at two i would say I would not choose to try to play this at two-player. There's so many other games that I would rather play at two-player. And I would say the biggest issue that I have is when when we're, when you look at the board for action spots, there are four circles on each action spot. The first two have a little two plus, two plus on there or whatever, okay? 
and then the third circle has a four on it. And then the, there's an extra spot there that you can have buildings that sometimes you can go there for a fourth time. Okay. In a four player game, so you're going to have basically three action spots. So if I go to a place and then the other three players all go to another place, I can be locked out before it even gets back to me. Okay. Same thing with a three player because you only get to use those two. I can go somewhere, two other play, the other two players can go to another spot and I can be locked out. So you've always got to worry about that. In a two-player game, you never have that worry because every spot, okay, all of a sudden somebody goes down there to another spot. I go, oh, I need that. I'm going to go down there now. And that, so it missed that. And I don't know what they could do about that. I don't know. I mean, not that I'm a fan of dummy pawns or anything, but I mean, you know, I said maybe like it moves around or something each round. So there's one that only has one spot per, you know, uh, you know, that gets cut down. I don't know. But that's the thing I didn't like about two-player. I'd like to try it that way because I felt like two-player felt to me like, okay, who's got the better engine right now? And that was sort of the the drawing factor. Now, you can go to the same spot twice in, in any player count, which is kind of interesting. You can't always do that with every worker placement game. So you, you can get locked out even in the two-player game, but... It just feels more open than the rest of the, the play. Yeah, counts. but you're just not, you don't have to be like, oh my goodness, like in a, like the three right, or four like player I, game. I have get, to go there yeah, now. If, yeah. if I need area seven, I mean, then you, you better go there because otherwise you could be locked out. And then maybe you're not going to get a good contractor, a good employee because you know you have to go down there and that. So the tension is better. There's more a feeling of a player interaction in a, in a three and a four player game. Yeah. Well, with all these cards and all these different abilities and things, uh, how do you guys feel like the variability and the replayability is for this game? I would say variability is, you know, I think it's on the higher end. It's not out of this world. It, Cause I, this is the third edition. They it's not like they're they've added like any new buildings, you know, since the first edition or anything like that. So I, I doubt it's going to get an expansion or anything like that. Maybe it will. Who knows? But since you wipe the cards at the end of every worker round, like that was the first time that I've seen that one card that Clef used where he could swap the order. That's the first time I've seen someone use it. Buy it because right, you've seen buy, it every yeah, game, I've seen but, it yeah. come out, but. Yeah, I've, that's the first time I've seen someone buy it and use it. So that has been interesting over the plays, and I've gotten in uh, six plays now. So, and uh, so obviously I haven't, you know, seen every possible combination out there of people buying stuff. But um, that that keeps it variable enough for me. Uh, replayability, I would say, is still fairly high. the The fashion show, I don't know that that seems a little samey over time. Just because yeah. you, I mean, all you're doing is you're trying to cord those tokens. And just trying to hit that, yeah. I don't know. I, maybe something there could change, which would be in, make it a little bit more interesting. But overall, positives for for both of those yeah. things for me. And and I would say for for variability, this is you know talking about Lorenzo. This is very similar where you're going to see all the cards every single game. Now whether or not they come into play is another thing, but you're going to see every single card. So maybe down the road, I wouldn't mind to see some different cards. So then it's a mixture. So, oh, well, maybe an investment house won't come out or an accountant won't come out, you know, type of thing. So a little bit more of a mixture for for that. So variability, maybe it's not, I wouldn't call it necessarily high, but replayability, the way they do it, I think does, uh, you know, I would say every, I've done different things or try to do different things every single game you yeah. know, had different buildings to, to do different things and you know tried 
different avenues or whatever. Uh, and you know, I think Richie, I'll, I'll say the same thing with you. I, maybe it'd also be cool that eventually maybe they would do something a little bit different with the fashion show where maybe it, I don't know. I don't, you know, then I guess I'm changing the game, but, uh, yeah, that maybe feels a little samey. Well, the fashion show are randomizable tiles to a certain point. I don't know if we, we talked about it, but but there are different tiles that come out, but they feel very, very, very much the same. There's not a whole lot of difference there. The nice thing about the way that the board is laid out and those variable fashion tiles is if they really wanted to, and there's great support for the game somewhere down the line, they maybe could add another resource with some couple, uh, some few cards to go with it. And that would be easy to do and see what the interplay is it also depends on i think your style of game right so having those wanting to discover and and not know if everything that you know about the cards is going to come out every time uh might be interesting to you but also maybe you're the type of a person that likes to know everything that's going to come out and goes okay that person nabbed that account and i know there's going to be two more accountants in this deck and i got to keep them away from having that because they're just going to get a ton of true points or true very good point so the, I think I, I'm not going to belabor the point, but I'll just agree with what, what you gentlemen said as far as the replayability and variability. So where would you put this on, on the scale of, you know, light, medium, heavy type of a game? Would this lean more towards heavy or more towards light? What do you think? I'd put it right in the middle. I, I think it's like a Rococo for me. I mean, I, I think that, that it, you know, it, it sits right there. The, the mechanisms are a little bit easier to grasp than Rococo out of the gate, but the planning that's required puts it right in the middle of medium for me. Yeah. Richie, what do you think? I mean, I would probably put it a little towards the medium heavy just because the fact that if you plan incorrectly, you will get hosed badly in this game. And it is a punishing game and you will not recover most likely. So like yeah. you, you have to be on top of it. Um, but I mean, as far as the mechanisms, like running through around teaching the game, yeah, I would agree. It's definitely a medium weight game. Uh, but just overall, I, I would say probably for most people, it, they would probably consider it a medium heavy game as far as the planning goes. For I, I would say for two things for the actual game, I would say maybe, I mean, I, I wouldn't call it medium heavy, but I would definitely call it a little bit heavier than medium. But teach wise, I would consider this a medium teach. It's a fairly quick teach. I mean, you basically are like, you know, you're playing these fashion shows, you're trying to collect these tokens. Here's what the nine action spots do go. You know, I mean, there's not a ton to the game, and it's a very easy game. As we talked about, Chad, is you can kind of say a, a very little about certain parts and just kind of explain the action spots and just kind of go and then kind of explain as it goes along, which, you know, I mean, you couldn't do that with, what you know, like a medium heavy game like Madeira or something, you know, you can't just give a drip method in that game. You know, you have to teach the whole thing. So that's what I'd kind of feel like. Yeah. I, it's kind of medium, medium, medium for me. I don't know. That's a, that is <laughs> right. not a good word. All right. <laughs> well, Richie, why don't you, why don't you give everybody our Punchboard paradise rating scale for those of us who, for those who haven't listened to us before, so we can give our final thoughts and ratings oh, on this game. Well, welcome to all those new people that have never listened to us before. Hi. <laughs> all right. So on Punchboard paradise, we rate on a six point scale with a one being a game that makes you miserable and a six being a game that could be a contender for your top 10 of all time. Uh, let's start with Chad, the fashionista. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I would say that, again, this game gets points for me 
even though we talked about how it feels that it's basically an economic game, it gets points for me with its theme and presentation. I, I enjoy that in the game, but I like the planning aspect, and I like that this is a worker placement game that I can teach easily to some friends of mine that will be beguiled by the theme, but I'll also enjoy the planning that's involved and the tightness that can be involved with the economic aspects as well. And again, it's one that is a a feel-good game again in certain ways because you can get those combos and have that engine going. The game scores on just about every game I've played feel like Russian railroads because you're in like the 200s, 300s, 400s with this game, even higher sometimes if you get some of those investment banking houses. So that is another aspect of the game that feels really good, like you've built a an interesting engine. I am overall, I, I have the game. I got the Kickstarter game. I'm going to give this game a four. It is a game that I will play occasionally. I am happy to have. I'm certainly, it's not going to leave my shelves anytime soon. It, I don't know if this is helpful to anybody. Sometimes I find this helpful when I listen to reviews. We just reviewed not too long ago, Crystal Palace, which I also gave a four. Is it is it as as great to me as Crystal Palace? No, it's a little bit of a lower four. But I still really enjoy the game, and uh, I'm I'm planning on playing it more. I enjoy my plays of it. And so I'm going to give Ignacy Trevichik's Predaporte a four. Clef, what about you? Well, um, this was a game I did not kickstart, and I didn't know a lot about. And usually Portal, you know, I'm, I stay clear. It's not usually my favorite gaming company. But... Um, I was still interested enough that, you know, I wanted to give it a shot. And so, you know, when Richie put it on the table, I'm like, yeah, let's let's give it a shot. And I was surprised. I was surprised. I really liked it. I mean, it is a very economic game where you're using Euro mechanisms to, you know, try to do the best you possibly can. Even since I, I played terrible my first game, I've certainly obviously had some really good games of it. Um so I enjoy it. I enjoy the different building and, and employees and, you know, the contracts and how you can kind of make those work together. I love the tension of, oh, I really want to go get that, but I've got to go get this. You know, I, I love that feeling in a Euro game where I can't do everything. I can't quite get to everything I want to do. So it does click off a lot of buttons. Now, Chad, you bring up a great point because I gave Crystal Palace a four also. Now, I know in my head that day before I recorded, I was I was really feeling like Crystal Palace was more of a five. And now I'm really sitting here thinking to myself because I really feel like I want to give this a four. But Crystal Palace is a much better game to me. So I'm 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 sitting here. So does that mean I have to give this a three? And I guess I do, because if I'm going to give Crystal Palace a four, which is a much better game, in my opinion, you know, I like the game much better, even since I enjoy this one. I can't give it the same rating. I I just can't because I think I like that one better. So maybe I either misrated Crystal Palace and maybe in our look backs, I'll go back and it should be a five because it's an amazing game that everybody should play. Where this one, I feel like, you know, I would say, yeah, I would think people should check it out, but maybe not necessarily do I think you should buy it. Like where Crystal Palace, I'd say, you know, go buy the game. Well, let me help you out with this because this is your rating. Would you buy it if there were a certain price on it? See, I don't think so. I think I'm I'm happy that you guys have it, but I'll be quite honest. I think I've played it six or seven times now, and I'm probably close to the end of me playing it. Ah, so all that being said, I, I'm going to give it a three. And I mean, that's a high, high three is what I'm going to say, because I really, maybe it should be a four, but I'm, I'm going to stick with a three. 
solid game. Give it a try, but I'd say try before buy. So, all right, Richie, what says you? Well, I'm I'm definitely the opposite as far as like portal games. I like portal games. I own a lot of their games, uh, especially their worker placement games. I really enjoy uh, this Legacy of Duke DeCressy, and uh, I'm blanking on the other one that that I was trying to think of. But uh, yeah, I like Ignacy's designs, Fifty First State, Imperial Settlers. So I, I was already predisposed to enjoy this game, and, and I did. And I I, I love worker placement. Uh, it also helps that Jessica really enjoyed this game. Uh, so for me, I would probably come in. I think I'm coming in at a low five. The whoa, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, I think this would easily, if this was not a reprint, it would make my top ten of the year. I did my top ten of the year, and the bottom five of my top ten of the year are not that strong for hmm. me. My top five are, but the bottom five are not that strong for me. And this would come in easily into my top 10 of the year go ahead club you, right. you look just, like you have a question question so yeah. i mean you liked this better than crystal palace then i did wow I, see i would i mean i did buy this and yes so sure. if if they were both on the table i would buy i would buy this again you would buy this one over crystal palace okay. I would. yeah I, I feel like i'm i'm and i'm sorry i don't mean to jump in on your final no no, no you're fine i was just i was just curious on that because i think i'd be opposite but okay yeah cool yeah. So. so i i think i'm coming in at a low five it definitely helps that jessica enjoys the playing it as well um and that like i said that four player game i really enjoyed and i i and why it kind of gets that low five is that i don't think that i'm always going to have that group to play it at four and if i played this and that a four player game went like closer to three hours then i would i would not be happy no <laughs> yeah no, so, no, 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 no. <laughs> um so yeah so i'm coming in at a five like i said if it wasn't a straight reprint uh, it would definitely make my top 10 of the year. So that's why I'm putting it at that five. Wow. How about that? Well, that's okay. a nice wrap up for you. We got uh, Predaporte by Ignacy Trevichek and Portal Games. Clef gives it a three. I give it a lower four. And Richie gives it a five. A low five. Low five. Oh yeah, low five. That's that's how we get around half points and stuff in this. I we we little, say yeah. the highs slightly and the dirty lows doing that, but you know, yeah, there it is. We're, we're cheating a little bit. <laughs> you know, it'd be really interesting. I would love it if a listener would like go back through all of our reviews and like see what the average is that we all have given games or something. You know, like because obviously I don't keep track of any of this stuff, but I would just be interested. Yeah. Like, you know, are are we? Do we average out all at like a four or three or, you know, like, you know, am I more of a grumpy gamer where I'm always lower than, I don't know. Yes. Just, I'd be interested no, in that. So, I don't know. There's got to no, be some like listener that, yeah. out there that has nothing better to do yes, than please. listen to us. And- <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm kidding. Real nice. I love the punch punch. You guys are amazing. Okay. Well, I am looking at this uh, BGG right now, and I'm actually really excited to get to this set of 10 games. So, fellas, let's do our above 100 countdown or count up of the BGG's games. All right, so let's start it off. Number 131, Ticket to Ride Nordic Countries. Have not played it. Oh, I think you would you would like it. It's super mean, super Ooh, mean. I, I'm much more into super mean. I was here, thinking. Like, well, I, the reason I paused because I don't think Missy would like it at all. Because you can no. basically, 
Have you played this one at all, Chad? No, I really want to, but I, I don't think Stephanie would like it, and that's what my ticket yeah. to rides are for. No, so. probably not. No, it's not friendly, because there are... I mean, sometimes in this game, because you know usually ticket to ride, you're, you're collecting the your colored cards for the yes. first part of the game. This one, you may just put down a train, because there are... A lot of your tickets will go to the northern part of the map, and... There's only three ways to get up there, and they can, and they're all double tracks, so they can easily be blocked out. So, I, like I've I've played, me and Jessica have played this. It only plays two and three players, but me and Jessica have played this where she has blocked me out completely from the top part of the map, which, which invalidated like most of my tickets mm. because I was I was trying to you know I was trying to do too much, okay. and I, I and she just boom 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 blocked me out. Nice. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's a super mean, super tight map. Uh, if you, I mean, if you like Ticket to Ride, and you don't, and you like mean games, this would be the the one to try. Or, or you could play One Thirty Two, Age of Steam. <laughs> Which I mean, that's, <laughs> like I said, that's going to be anytime we play with something with trains, he's going to be like, "Why aren't we playing Age of yeah. Steam?" Well, look, <laughs> hey, hey. Well, I think it's a valid question. Uh, that's fine. Okay, so let's talk about One Thirty Two Age of Steam. It, by the way, I want to I want to remind you that probably like a little more than a year ago, he was like, Age of Steam. That is true. He did not want to play that. No, that day. he did not ever. He was like, I never want to play. And yes, I know there was a, cru- oh, well, let's talk I know there was a cooler teach. variant, but also he just <laughs> yeah, was not true. excited to play railroad games in general, I think. And that, this was, I think that was still after he selected Martin Wallace as his favorite designer, <laughs> right, right. even though I'm pretty sure at that time he had only he played, played one, one, game. one Martin Wallace game. Brass and Brass, right? <laughs> yeah. I like Brass. <laughs> yeah, I just played. Actually, Brass is a good game. We we talked about the failings of Eagle Griffin with the latest production, but I am so happy to have all those maps. And I just played on this Sweden map the other day, and it was it was so much fun. I mean, I was awful, and one of the guys playing just totally cut me out of a route that I thought I was going to get to do, and I just floundered because you run into all these red lines on the map, and it's the Alps. You're going through. Oh, it was Switzerland. Sorry, not Sweden. It was Switzerland, and you're going through all these mountains, and those are total cutoff points to you they're just red lines and mountains and you cannot go through there and every single track you lay is four bucks total so unlike the rust belt which ships with most of the games it's the the basic map where you pay two on flat land three on a river and four on sort of mountainous stuff this is just four all over the place and it gets really expensive really quick oh i so i mean it's an amazing game there's just no yeah, doubts about definitely. it it's an absolutely fun amazing game Great player interaction. The the auction is amazing. The 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 pure brutalness of it is just so good. <laughs> where, oh yeah, you're doing better. Oh, guess what? Now your income's going down again. You know, too bad for you. You know, and you just got to keep working at it. And oh, just just great. It, there are razor thin margins that you're constantly figuring in that auction where you're going, okay, can I take a share? What am I going to do with that share? And then somebody locks you out when you t- took that share and you're like, oh, that was totally wasted. You know, now I'm going to start the downward spiral because I, I didn't plan better. I, I, might, yeah. I might make this like want to play 10 times next year, like, you know, type of thing. Nah, you know, I'm of yeah, and I want to see, because uh, you've done your, did you redo your top 100? Uh well top fifty or top bit, fifty or no, whatever top well, I did my top one hundred one but that I can't was remember still like, that was a while ago though yeah I, I would, I would yeah. be interested to see where this comes where in where this for comes you now. in next time I do yeah. it yeah I, I agree because it definitely would be yeah because that's all you've been talking about and it's, side so. I mean this is kind of related not really did you see that brass Birmingham is up to number five 
in the BGG top 100 of now? all time BGG. Yeah. Number? Wow. Number five. Yeah. Ooh, it's climbing. I did not see that. Until it overtakes Gloomhaven, I'm still. It's not it, it's on its way. It's right. on its way. Let's go. Let's do it. Hey, punch bunch. <laughs> you guys all know. No, we that do This not. is better than Gloomhaven, right? So let's get in there uh, and vote it up. No, I'm kidding. I could care less. Right, <laughs> let's move on to number 133, Goa. Probably, in my opinion, one of Rudiger Dorn's best designs. I want to go uh, play that game because I like it. So do I, and I, <laughs> I bought it, and I still haven't played it. <laughs> uh, right. This is a game we just got to play within the past year. We learned it at Geekway. We took it out of their library, and uh, somebody was there, and he taught it. And it was a fun, amazing game, and so I immediately went home and, and bought it. I've gotten to play it a couple of times since I've uh, gotten it back. Definitely a game I think you want to play at the higher player count. You know, I don't know if two really works well for it, but because it's an auction game. Yeah. And uh, just otherwise, you're just kind of, I don't know, you're back and forth. fields and stuff like that to yeah. try to get these different goods and stuff. But, um, but it's got a little. A track thing that you can move up so each so those actions your actions keep getting better whether it's getting money or producing goods or being able to ship or you know everything it's just really really solid game i mean yeah i would i would definitely put this as probably my top uh ruta de Gorin game <laughs> oh god wow <laughs> well let's talk i mean it's definitely i mean the auction's the highlight here it's the collection of mechanisms but the auction is the highlight here and also kind of controlling what other other people have uh, have an access to as well. So yeah, absolutely. Have you gotten to play it at all, or are you just no? No, I bought I bought our copies yeah. from Germany, yeah. and then uh, I put mine on the shelf, and it's sat there. ATB, yeah, that's ATB. Good. ATB that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah, okay. No, I'm all over to the list. Richie, if yeah. we're rooming together, we'll get it played. We just go, there go, we go. Up to the room and play play some Goa. All right. Uh, and that's not a euphemism. That, that really nope. sucks. Okay, <laughs> so moving, moving on to 134. On. Uh, Splendor. Splendor. I used to own Splendor. You guys I used, to, I own used to own Splendor. I used to own Splendor as well. Hey, look at what we have in common. <laughs> I gave... Uh, we had... When I was injured, we had... Uh, one of Jessica's friends came over, and they were like new into games. And she was like, oh, me and my husband... She had put Splendor on her Christmas list or something like that. And her mom just looked at it and was like... Uh, and like bought her a dress or something like that so <laughs> i said well go get i was like go downstairs and grab splendor and take it home because i don't play it anymore i i don't i don't dislike the game or anything like that it's just it doesn't hit the table so i was like, take it and go play it i mean it is the i mean it, it really would be to me more of a gateway game than say ticket to ride or settlers of Catan or any of those games i mean it is a very simple fun little engine building game it's got wonderful poker chips it's a great game. And I mean, the thing that I was noticing up there, if you look and see the number of logged plays of games up there, look at how many. I mean, there are f almost 47,000 logged plays of Splendor. That's unbelievable. And this I mean, was that's a while ago. People, this was yeah. a while ago. Yeah, and that's just this. people that have logged it. You know, I mean, probably a lot of people who play yeah, Splendor don't, don't log. log. No. So, I mean, you know it's a game that gets played a lot. It's just, I think, for the three of us, you know, I mean... It's not going to hit the table for what it is, but 
it's a great game. I like actually playing it on the iOS app because yeah, I'm really a good. very short attention span like electronic gamer. I can't I can't just sit through and 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 piece out my turns that way. So I will get on the app and play a real quick game of it with the expansions actually, which I actually like what the expansions add to it. And and that's fun for me because that's that's the best way to play it. I actually got rid of it because Stephanie was like, This game is boring to me. So wow. Yeah, wow. she was wow. yeah, right. So she wow. she likes a lot of games with that one for right. her. Hmm. But speaking of a good sort of couples game, teach you at one thirty five. Now, Richie, you'd be the one I'd expect to play Teach You. Have you have you played this? I have played Teach You. I hate Teach You. Whoa, really? I do not like Teach You at all. Why is that? I just did not care for it. Now, I played with like Teach You Teach You fanatics. I think that's that was part of the issue, and he, and that's just one of those games. Just like Euchre. I mean, if you if you come in and you play Euchre with people who play it a lot, and don't look at me like that. I'm not talking about the thumbs. If <laughs> <laughs> if you come in and play Euchre with people who play it a lot, like they play fast, they throw their cards in. Like when the trick is over, and you have no clue what's going on. So um, so I did not care for it. Uh, I do like Haggis and Crimera, which are uh, and Crimera is more of a more closely related to Teach You, but that's a three-player, basically, teach-you variant. It's card-shedding, but it's three players. Yeah. So, I mean, did you not like it, you think, because you got spanked, or did they actually teach you how to play? <laughs> no, they, they actually taught me how to play, but then they're, I mean, they're getting down the strategy of it when you're playing with people who are really good at it, it just was not enjoyable. So I, I, I didn't enjoy it, and I just never went about picking I think I did pick it up at one point, but then sold it. And then, uh, yeah. And Haggis exists and Crimera exists, so. Okay. And I'm going to assume Clef has not played it. Uh, not played it. Nope. Okay. I have no clue. I, I would definitely play it. I'm, I'm curious, but. All right. Well, number 136. I know Clef has thoughts about this one. This is Decrypto. And my thoughts are, I love it. Awesome game. The Laserdisc expansion uh, made it even better because it made it a little more strategically and a little bit more difficult because you have to use some of those categories to do the words. But uh, for those of you who don't know, it's just really a word guessing game where you're trying to give a, you're trying to get your team to guess a code, but you don't want to make it so obvious that the other team can also guess your code. So you're really trying to use obscure things to try to get your team to kind of break your code. Uh, All together, just a very fun, you know, partyish type of game that uh, you know I, I'd say crosstalk. Crosstalk is still my favorite when it comes to those games, but I mean, Decrypto's a very you know close second. Yeah, see, I prefer this over Crosstalk, but yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't, I'm not crazy about Crosstalk to begin with, but yeah, I, I prefer this, and I, I did pick up the Laserdisc uh, expansion, and I, I really like what that adds to yeah. it with the categories. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, well. I, I will just, my two cents, I, I really enjoyed Decrypto too. It's always interesting with these sort of pseudo team party games because Decrypto, it feels like it can get, can get raucous, but you're really kind of, it also feels quiet too, like you're dissecting stuff around the table, whereas Crosstalk is a little bit more of a rambunctious, louder game yeah. than, than Decrypto is. But I, I still agree. enjoy it nonetheless. Yeah, if you really look, I mean, to me, for my big three right now, Crosstalk, Decrypto, and then code names. The level is kind of like crosstalk is your most rambunctious type of fun. Then you kind of go to decrypto. Then you go into code names, kind of you know. So how serious maybe you want it to be? Yeah. Well, let's talk number one thirty-seven. Um, my man Andreas Steiger and Targi or Targi maybe. I'm Tar- not sure. Targi is what I've heard. Okay, yeah, I've Targi. heard said Targi. Yeah, yeah uh, a two-player two-player game. Yeah, this game's amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, for a little two-player two player game, game uh, really smart, innovative, where you have like a you have it's ca- it's all cards, and the action spots there's sixteen action spots that are made into a square, and then you have nine cards in the middle, and what you do is when you go to put out your guy, you put out one guy, and then the, your opponent puts out a guy, and you have to be where you basically then two of your guys will intersect to a card, and then that's the card that you get to take. And the cards out there, they'll either be goods, so you're taking these, you know, pepper and salt and whatever, you know, they are, uh, whatever, I don't care. And then um, then the other ones are cards that you then use the goods to purchase these, and then you put them into your tableau, and you're just trying to, you know, build victory points from that. And some of them will have different abilities and different stuff like that. But uh very very good solid game yeah they do the worker placement extremely smart in this game i mean we were talking with predator portal that doesn't really work that well at two i mean this is a great two-player worker placement game and they just released uh, like metal bits for it in the cause, you know they're doing all the geek bit stuff in the bgg club shaking his head so unnecessary. <laughs> it is very unnecessary very close to ordering it. <laughs> it. It stops me from buying another game. That's how I see it. Well, so here's the deal. Now, I remember that we had a two-player draft at one time. Do you remember if any of us drafted Targi? Targi? Excuse me. I don't I do remember. remember. No, I don't I know if, if all of us had played it at that point, but it's a, it's a good little game. Check it out if you haven't. Two-player only. Targi. 138. One of the kings of the multi-use card mechanism, La Granja. So good. I love this game. It is one of my favorites. I. It's just so good. I mean, it's just the multi-use cards are amazing. The ability to, you know, I mean, just the Euro-ness of it, of trying to figure out how, when I'm going to deliver, when I'm going to deliver it. You've got multiple things you can deliver to. You've got your own carts. You've got the board to deliver and you're trying to get different things. I mean, just everything about this game is just, is very, very cool. I love this game. You put multi-use cards together with dice drafting. It's a pretty good recipe in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, the, the dice drafting is a very, very small part of this game. I mean, I've heard some people be like, well, I don't like the random dice in it. And I'm like, it really is such a small part of the game. I mean, uh, I mean, it's an important part, but it's very small. And I don't think that the dice really make that much of a difference, maybe I should say, in the game. I mean, but... No different uh, to me than the card so, draw, so... so yeah, exactly, you know, but uh, I love this game. Bought it, played it, sold it. Wow. Now, and this is... And I don't know why, because I, I bought it. I even replaced the dice, because it comes with wooden dice. Replaced <laughs> those dice. And I don't know, this is kind of like, uh, you know, Chad doesn't like Carpe Diem for some reason, but he likes Forum. Yeah. Like, that's it for me. I've never, I've never really How had, like, a great game. You? It's been a long time now. It, yeah, I bought it when it first came out. I tried again. I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't really care about the market. That didn't seem that interesting to me. That's my oh, least that's favorite and, part of that game, which yeah. is based on uh, Stefan Feld's Luna, actually. And okay. I just didn't. I just See, didn't care for that. Part. That part is, you know, like uh, this is one of the games that uh, uh, Corey Acklin and I play a lot together. And that's part of the fun is trying to boot the other people out because not only are you stopping them from getting victory points, but you get victory points for booting them out. That's, I mean, that's a fun player interaction part of it. That's the mean part. That's the part I would think you'd like. Uh, it just didn't do it for me, but put it on the list. I'll try it again. I it's think, been yeah, a long man, time like, since I played. Maybe that'd be a good one at ATB Con for me, you, Corey, Eklund, and Dan, because, you know, we'd all, boom, we'd fly through that game. And, all right. Uh, I'll good. give it a shot. All right. All Apparently, right. you're out, Chad. Okay. I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I was just thinking of people who played it. Sure. And, uh, so. <laughs> no, you're fine. 
Uh, let's talk about 139 Sekigahara, <laughs> the unification of Japan. Yeah, let's talk about that. I yeah. actually want to play this. It's another block, so do I. It's another block war game. Uh, that the, uh, Rodney actually did a watch it played for this, and yeah. that that's what is really because it's on it's on Yakata.de where you can play it online. And once I saw that watch it played come out, I'm, I'm going to sit down one day, watch that, and then start up a game online because I I want to try it. Yeah, and I think the rule set for this particular block war game is is fairly simple to grasp uh, as opposed to some of the other ones. And again, if you have Rodney teaching it, then that's all the better. But I, I am intrigued, have not played it. Clef hasn't played it, we know. So What? Uh, Are you sure? You <laughs> no, probably, <laughs> yeah, probably. So somebody actually probably brought it up to you and you were like, no, I don't want to play that Soraka Ninuka game. I don't. Uh, not only have I not played it, I never even heard of it. but if it's it's a it's a war game that's probably why well that is our 10 for today so i think how many have we all played here let's let's scroll back down here and see how many we've played it was a good 10 for me i got uh eight out of 10 eight out of 10 that's impressive i was seven out of 10 and i've got six okay gentlemen uh pick your favorite as we always do chad you start uh this is simple age of steam for me no question about it all right, Richie, you go next. Yeah, I think it's going to be real boring. Age of Steam. Wow, I you if take you Targi? go look at if you no no uh, Lagranha <laughs> would be the other thought process here. If you go and look at my top one hundred and one right now, I bet you Lagranha is still ahead of Age of Steam in that list. Is Age of Steam on that uh, list? Oh, Age of Steam's on the list. Oh, yes. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, but if I really had to say right now, do I do I want to sit down and or you know is Age of Steam higher than Lagranha? Yeah, I got to go with Age of Steam. So it's a complete sweep of the board for Age of Steam. All right, there you have it. Age of Steam. Woo! Well, you guys, it's it's coming to the end of the year. What? I've really uh, enjoyed doing this podcast with you guys. Uh, I, I really feel warm and fuzzy about our listeners, which is nice. I, 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 I'm I in the spirit of giving because it's the holidays. I'm in the spirit of, of, of giving something that's political and backstabby. I got something we could give away. What's that? It's a copy of Capstone Games Watergate. Oh, oh yes. Don't go chasing Watergate <laughs> if you can get it in a giveaway <laughs> from Punchbowl Paradise. Okay, so let's let's fellas. Well, what are they gonna do? Oh well, I think that they have to um personally call us up and tell us how awesome we are on the telephone. <laughs> So I'll give our cell phone number then. Uh, no? right. How about we just no? give out your number? Yeah, you, you'll handle all that. I'll handle it all. All right, Chad. What I'm, do they have to do? I'm thinking, so our episode always goes out on three different platforms. We're on Facebook, and you can find us on the Punchboard Paradise on Facebook. Uh, we are at Instagram, at Punchboard Paradise. And then, of course, we're on Twitter, at Punchboarders. Find us in one of those venues and share or retweet our episode, if you would, or in the case of Instagram, the post picture with our episode number on it. And if you do that, you will be entered to win a copy of Watergate from us. We are going to make this available to everybody. Okay. Everybody. Everybody. All our listeners. This what about time. that listener in Antarctica? He's yeah. eligible? Yep. Wow. You got it. 
Okay. So, yeah. I, that's how I'm I'm basically Hanukkah Harry, Santa Claus, and Chris Kringle, too, all rolled into one. And maybe well, Krampus. Yeah. Is it Krampus? Uh, yeah. It is Krampus. Krampus. Okay. Uh, so, anyway, make sure you retweet or share the episode with the hashtag so we can track it. Ooh. Happy PP Holidays. Happy oh PP Holidays. <laughs> hashtag it up. Let's make it the number one trending hashtag on Twitter. That's right. Let's go for it. Happy <laughs> PP Holidays. And gang, listeners, Punch Punch, we just want to say we really appreciate you. We hope that all of you are warm, safe, happy, and have Great holidays, whatever those holidays are, and enjoy your friends and your family throughout the rest of this year. Yeah, I really want to echo what Chad said. I mean, it's been a great year, and it really is something special when you know we get to interact with you guys on all these different platforms, and so we really appreciate everybody listening, and thank you guys for everything. Everybody have a great day. Yes, thank you for listening. It's been a fantastic year. It's been fun. I'm excited for next year. Have a happy new year, y'all. Peace. Punchboard Paradise would like to thank our loyal listeners as well as the publishers and designers that have provided review copies. You can find us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at punchboarders. We are on Instagram at punchboardparadise and Facebook at punchboardparadise. <laughs>